Inside Florida Politics, powered by Gannett. Charlie Chris beats Nikki Fried in a blowout to win the Democratic nomination for governor. Chris and Governor Ron DeSantis waste no time bashing each other on the campaign trail. And DeSantis helps conservatives romp to victory across Florida in school board races. Hello, I'm Sarasota Herald Tribune political editor Zach Anderson. And those are some of the stories I'll be discussing this week with Gannett State Capitol reporter John Kennedy and Palm Beach Post politics editor Antonio Finns. First... That music means it's time for some numbers, gentlemen. A lot of numbers uh, floating around this week with uh, election results, which is always uh, a fun time of year. Uh, what do you got for us, John? Yeah, Zach, I do have a number this week, and it's a 30. All right, uh, 30. How about you, Antonio? I'm coming in high again with the 304,674. All right, I'm a little bit closer to John this week with a 50. Remember those numbers, folks. We'll tell you what they mean in Florida politics at the end of the show. With Democrats looking to unseat DeSantis turned to a familiar face Tuesday, Charlie Crist has been involved in Florida politics for more than three decades as a state senator, education commissioner, attorney general, governor, and now as a congressman. Crist held most of those offices as a Republican, but flipped to the Democratic Party after losing a U.S. Senate race to Marco Rubio in 2010. John, Chris' long history in Florida politics seemed to be too much for Nikki Freed this go-around. Well, you're right. I think, uh, you know, Chris is a mostly well-known brand to Floridians, and uh, that was certainly hard for Nikki Freed to overcome. But, yeah, I, I will say, too, that, that Chris worked at this race and uh, worked at winning. Uh, he, he he maybe outworked Freed. Uh, there's a, a lot to be said for Chris and uh you know, winning endorsements from the big get out the vote organizations that back uh, Florida Democrats. Yeah, John, uh, I mean, like that whole politics of like building endorsements and going like around the state people. I think some people kind of thought, well, in Florida, it's, it's so big. And, you know, you you win by advertising. Chris, he was kind of old school in that way. He really kind of built up um, his campaign from the bottom up. Yeah, he was. I, I think he recognized going in that he was not going to have the kind of money maybe needed to uh, uh, get that kind of advertising out, that he was actually a candidate. He is the beneficiary of being familiar, as you pointed out at the top, uh, to uh, to many Floridians. But he was endorsed by the AFL-CIO, uh, the, the state's biggest teachers union, Service Employees International, which includes a lot of healthcare workers and other groups, Sierra Club on the environmental side. Uh, that's kind of smart policy politics for a Democratic candidate. And she didn't really try that hard, it seemed, for some of these endorsements. And then when she didn't get them, her campaign sort of suggested that these organizations didn't really matter that much to uh, to voters. Well, I, I think they do in an August primary, and uh, and they do help. And, uh, you know, again, so did Chris' years of experience. He, he's, he's polished. He did well in their lone TV debate. And uh, Chris is a tireless campaigner who leaves every voter feeling like they know the guy. You know, one of the raps on Chris, uh, I've, I've covered 
in Charlie Crist's career for many years, uh, back in his state Senate days, I first was introduced to him. Um, he, he's somebody who, when he's on the job, uh, maybe he doesn't have quite the same uh, focus or passion for the job itself, but he is like the, he is like the dog chasing the car going by. He loves campaigning and he's good at it. So he's in his element right now campaigning. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what voters like best when he goes up against DeSantis. Uh, you, you have two different styles going forward here where, you know, uh, you have Charlie hugging everyone. He's everybody's best friend. Uh, and by contrast, you're going to have DeSantis pushing his finger into your chest. Um, but, you know, when it comes to Freed, who, while she was Florida's lone elected statewide Democrat, which is uh, an accomplishment, remember, you know, she's only been on the political scene in Florida statewide since 2018, when she narrowly won the agriculture commissioner's race. And of course, these cabinet posts are really not that high profile. And well, Chris has been around a long time and Floridians just know him through his many political guises as a as a Republican, as an independent, and now for years as a Democrat. Uh, Freed couldn't overcome that. And and her attempts at raising questions about his support for abortion rights just couldn't ring true to many voters who looked at him with his 100 percent approval rating from the National Abortion Rights League. And uh, I think they, they didn't quite believe those claims that he was unreliable. So uh, so he winds up winning by 25 percentage points statewide, you know, clobbering her by even bigger margins in Broward and Miami-Dade, the state's biggest Democratic counties. Um, she's held herself open to becoming a Chris running mate for November, saying defeating DeSantis is a priority for all Democrats. But um, I, I don't think that's going to happen uh, after her poor performance in the primary and her bashing of Chris on abortion. Uh, I, I don't think she really brings that much to the table as his running mate. So uh, I'd say don't expect a Chris Freed ticket going forward. So uh, Nikki Freed ran as something new. Charlie Crist is definitely not something new. Democrats no. have uh, somebody who's been around quite a long time. Uh, how do you see him matching up against DeSantis? Well, it is definitely going to be a uh, matchup of styles. I mean, DeSantis, for one period, I thought that DeSantis might sort of dial back his hard right rhetoric a little bit heading into uh uh, the general election, but we're not seeing that at the outset. So I think he's going to go full hard right. And uh, Christ is uh, taking this sort of like, uh, can't we all come together kind of approach. Although remarkably in his first appearance of the general election, just uh, this week, he uh, uh, said that he didn't want people that had hate in their heart. That's a very unchrist like statement to come out. And when people asked him about, uh, you know, how would he appeal to DeSantis's supporters? He said, well, I don't want them. I don't want people with hate in their heart, basically saying that these are bad people who are supporting uh, DeSantis. I mean, he's uh, Chris is known as the happy warrior. I think people were kind of shocked at that statement. Yeah. And, and uh, the DeSantis campaign and Republicans in general are feasting on that, saying, you know, they're drawing uh, analogies to uh, Hillary Clinton and her uh, deplorables, you know, that kind of comment. So uh, trying to say that, you know, Chris uh, doesn't like Florida voters or those who uh, are uh, on the conservative to uh, moderate side. But I, I don't uh, quite uh, understand the strategy behind that. You always want to like try and maximize the potential vote, right? I mean, yeah, like open the door. Say, yeah, yeah, don't vote for me. 
Um, it, it, is that the risk with uh, Chris and Democrats in general against DeSantis? They they are so fired up. They 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 really have quite a bit of animosity against him, and and he's really um, he's been a very polarizing figure, and and with these culture wars. But do they risk going too far uh, in trying to uh, you know fight fire with fire with him? Yeah, no, I think that's a very good point. I, I think you, you, at this juncture, it looks like this is going to be a very us against them kind of campaign for the general election, and uh, the Democrats by by based on what Chris has said at the outset would seem to suggest that they think that they can win, you know, a, a resounding uh, number of Florida Democrats to their side and then pick off a, a majority or a large plurality of the no party affiliate voters uh, that maybe don't like a lot of what they've seen out of DeSantis. Are the numbers there for the Democrats right now? I'm not too sure. We've just been writing about how Florida registered Republicans right now have uh, continued to grow uh, over Democrats. That was news a year ago when uh, more uh, registered Republicans emerged in Florida than registered Democrats. In the first time in modern history, those uh, numbers had tipped away from the Democrats. Now there are like a almost a well, about a quarter million more uh, Republicans registered than Democrats. So uh, Christ is going to have to win over some uh, moderate Republicans going forward. And that seemed to be something that he was uh, looking to do. But again, as we pointed out, yesterday's uh, line in the sand that he drew seemed to suggest that uh, he doesn't uh, he's not interested in courting them to his side. And those voter registration numbers are important. I saw a really interesting quote uh, that a Democratic political consultant gave uh, Mark Caputo, who's now with NBC News, where this Democratic political consultant said those voter. I mean, when you have that many uh, more voters uh, who are registered on your side, that's very predictive. It's hard uh, to overcome that. Now, Republicans have been doing it in Florida for years when Democrats outnumbered um, outnumbered them uh, in voter registration. So we'll see. It's obviously possible to overcome those deficits. And remember, there to 27 percent of Florida voters are no party. So that, that's a sizable chunk of voters that we really don't know what's inside their head, maybe. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's no doubt, though, that uh, Chris really does face uh, an uphill climb against DeSantis, who looks pretty strong right now. But the odds do appear to be slightly better for Val Demings and her race against U.S. Senator Marco Rubio. Neither Demings or Rubio had a competitive primary, basically been campaigning against each other uh, and taking swipes at each other for months. And Demings really is attracting uh, a lot of attention for raising considerably uh, more money than Rubio, which is unusual for a challenger who's taking on uh, an, an incumbent. And, and Demings really is bringing a lot of energy to her campaign. She's, she's had some pretty fiery uh, speeches Rubio, though, still is the favorite considering Florida's GOP tilt and the fact that DeSantis also is a, is a heavy favorite. And it seems unlikely that many of his voters sort of cross over to back Demings. Antonio, where does this race stand now that we're uh, heading into the general election here? You know, Zach, it stands out as one of the marquee U.S. Senate races in the country. And with the primary done, preseason in this contest is over and it's on. You know, one of the interesting backdrops here is that all of a sudden this, there's a nationally competitive battle for control of the U.S. Senate. Six months ago, the conventional wisdom was that the Democrats were doomed to be swept over by this red wave in which they would lose all sorts of seats on Capitol Hill. Now it seems Democrats have a good shot at keeping control of the U.S. Senate. 
In fact, Mitch McConnell has even lamented the quote-unquote quality of GOP candidates, which is code for he doesn't think some of the fringe candidates like J.D. Vance in Ohio and Mehmet Oz in Pennsylvania will do well. Um, it's interesting to me, Antonio, that Demings has raised so much money considering that there's so many other competitive races around the country. That really does say a lot about how the Democrats view the quality of her campaign, doesn't it? Absolutely. There, there is no quality issue when it comes to either when it comes to either Rubio or Demings. You know, that much is clear. Look, Rubio knows how to win statewide in Florida, and Demings is clearly a candidate who could succeed. There is some polling, in fact, that shows that she is ahead of Rubio. And certainly she has been out fundraising, like you said. She's out, out fundraised the, the two-term senator, leading to that really strange effort by Rubio earlier this week to beg for money. So Rubio's team, of course, cites other polls showing him ahead. And he has the endorsements of numerous law enforcement groups, which for Republicans is really important. He's really emphasized that to try and counteract the, you know, Demings, who was chief of police in Orlando and, and has really tried to play that up in her ads, you know, calling herself chief on the chief. campaign trail. I mean, he, he he was early on that and trying to neutralize that. And he was. And, and, you know, and let's face it, you know, law enforcement in this state has backed Republican candidates. They were well behind Trump in 2020, and they are a big constituency for the Republican Party. So, but, you know, for Republicans to keep the Senate and, and keeping Rubio's seat may well be a must. So there will be a lot of muscle put behind them in the next 70 plus days. Uh, the wild card here are the Trumplicans. You know, the MAGA crowd and the Tea Party faction, you know, they look at Rubio still, they look at him somewhat literally. So the question is, will they come out for him in force? If so, given Florida's record, you have to think he wins. But do they? Yeah. And, you know, to that point, uh, Antonio, as to whether the GOP base is really fired up about Rubio, which I would argue, um, you know, he definitely inspires less intensity than some of the other uh, top Republicans, especially Trump, but, but also DeSantis. It's interesting, uh, as the general election starts here, um, and, and even before it started on, on Tuesday night of the primary, uh, Rubio was already holding rallies with DeSantis. And then the day after, um, you know, they expanded on that and did a tour around the state that they were building, billing as sort of this GOP unity tour. Uh, we haven't really seen th those two campaign together, but it seems like Rubio is really eager to tie himself to DeSantis and hope that DeSantis carries him across the finish line, right? Yeah, I think that says more about DeSantis, perhaps trying to be even more of a keen maker in Florida than Mr. Trump. But I think the, the issue here is that Rubio is a Ronald Reagan city in the Shining Hill Republican. And that doesn't play anymore in the Trump party. In Trump, Trump's Republican party, it's American carnage. So he needs help. He needs help from that MAGA crowd. And I think that uh, DeSantis is somebody that he can align with more easily than, than Trump. I mean, I, I've heard him speak and, he, you know, when he tries to play that Trump card, it just doesn't work for him in these speeches and these public appearances. So perhaps, you know, DeSantis, who's sort of seen like an, a, a Trump without the baggage type candidate, you know, maybe they can align and, and he can pick up, siphon up some of those votes. But, but that clearly shows that Rubio feels the need. It was somebody who has been the Republican face in Florida up until 
three or four years and ago. Who was, who it was shows, viewed as a future presidential? Uh, I mean, he ran for president, but he was he viewed as the rising star of the Republican yeah. Party that he, he you can tell he he doesn't see even he himself doesn't see himself that way anymore. And that's why he's sort of pounding around trying to maybe play off, uh, you know, DeSantis's coattails rather than the other way around. Yeah, and and it could be good for DeSantis too. I mean, uh, you know, if if Rubio feels like DeSantis stuck his neck out to help him, that that, that uh, you know builds uh, maybe some loyalty for DeSantis well, if if he runs for president. And and what and what DeSantis is probably looking at there is Miami-Dade County. That yeah. is Rubio's stronghold. DeSantis saw how Trump did in Miami-Dade County. That's his the card he might be playing. Yeah. A huge, huge, uh, huge uh, bellwether county for Florida um, and uh, definitely an area where Rubio still has a lot of strength. Well, there's still a lot of campaigning left to be done in Florida between now and the general election, but some races were decided in Tuesday's primary, including many school board contests around the state. School board seats technically are nonpartisan, but both parties have long been involved uh, behind the scenes in these races. DeSantis, though, really amped up the partisanship this year by endorsing 30 school board uh, candidates around the state, spending money out of his own political committee to help them with uh, advertising, mailers, and then staging these big rallies for them in the final uh, stretch of the campaign. I was at one of those rallies uh, here in Sarasota, and it attracted you know, upwards of uh, 500 to 1,000 people. I mean, that's that's a lot for, um, you know, even a, a rally uh, in a governor's race, let alone rallies for, for school board candidates. So, I mean, DeSantis was really uh, definitely uh, hyping up um, these races and and uh, helping to, to gin up turnout. And it, it really uh, paid off with 25 of the governor's school board candidates winning or advancing to the runoff election in November. John, DeSantis has pushed a very polarizing education agenda that focuses on issues like critical race theory and how schools handle uh, gender identity. He talks about, quote, education, not indoctrination. And his school board candidates, almost to a man or woman, repeated those comments verbatim. Many voters seem to be on board with that agenda. Well, the governor has thrown a lot of energy and political capital at creating fear of what's being taught to school students. And uh, it does seem that a majority slice of voters support what he's doing, at least according to poll questions from a recent University of North Florida survey that showed 52 percent of voters approved of the governor's focus on culture issues. Uh, these things of gender identity, sexual orientation, race. And on 40, that poll was interesting because even higher percentage of independent voters and Hispanic voters approved of them, which are key voting blocks in Florida. Right, right. The, the, the survey shows like 47 percent disapprove. But um, what you do have uh, overall, but what you do have is 52 percent of uh, no party voters are favoring right. what DeSantis is doing. Uh, so that seems to be the decisive mover of these numbers. And winning independence is, of course, important in Florida. But, you know, I'd also suggest 52 percent is a kind of a thin majority. Um, 
uh, you know, similarly, I think in the in the takeover of school boards, DeSantis, uh, you know, he's had the support of the conservative Moms for Liberty, and they've put tremendous money and effort into flipping school boards that have uh, defied the governor on his no masks at school policies, and and they've targeted individual board members who balked at his policies that you know were aimed at uh, ridding school districts of any acknowledgement of LGBTQ students. Um, the the governor has created this vision among his supporters. Uh, that school boards are out of control. And uh, sure, there's been frustration from many parents across the spectrum about how schools have dealt with COVID uh, the past two years. Uh, but there's also a, a very, there were also a very, very limited organized pushback against this torrent of opposition to these school boards. Um, really no real signs of, a, of an enormous defense of these individual board members by Florida Democrats or, or the school unions, although the unions admittedly have been financially helping some of these individual candidates who in some cases were, you know, were outspending the people that beat them, the the, the moms for liberty or DeSantis candidates that actually beat them. Here in Sarasota, John, uh, some of the candidates who were running against the candidates who the governor endorsed far outraised them. There there was quite a bit of energy on the opposition side of the governor's candidates, and uh, they still um, lost pretty handily. Now, uh, Sarasota is a GOP-leaning county, and I think it's worth pointing out in this whole debate that DeSantis's school board endorsements, some of them were pretty safe bets. He got involved in areas that were Republican leaning anyway, and maybe had elected um, school board candidates who were more moderate or even liberal leaning because in the past there hadn't been this much attention on school boards. So he kind of came in um, and by injecting this partisanship kind of woke up the right a little bit. And so it's not necessarily surprising that a conservative candidate would win a school board seat in a conservative leaning county, although DeSantis did pick up some seats in places like Miami-Dade and and even Hillsborough that are more liberal leaning. So I think that's just worth pointing out. Yeah, there was some decisive change, undoubtedly. Yeah, yeah and these are, you know, they are low turnout August elections. Um, and when you have the governor showing up at rallies for school board members, something I've never seen and what historically are races that really only draw moderate attention. I mean, basically, the governor declared unilateral war against an opponent who they've demonized and uh, they've won. Uh, you know, the school board members earn between twenty-seven thousand a year in small counties, and uh, and forty-eight thousand a year in big ones. And they they t they tend to be women-dominated boards. Um, these are people that are not you know career politicians in many cases. Um, I I know these election results will lead DeSantis to take away that this is a sign that he's right and his opponents have been proven wrong. But uh, you know, given the difficulty school districts are having right now, I mean, generally whether whether it's filling teacher vacancies and other district staff positions. Uh, there, you know, there are thousands of openings right now across Florida. I, I'm not sure if you take away from this that the governor's policies are, are working for all parents in every district. But for now, uh, conservatives have claimed control of school boards. And, uh, you know, let's see what they do with them. You raised an interesting point, John, uh, by further politicizing school districts, it, it does run the risk of, you know, I mean, you do have lots of teacher openings and things like that. It could cause some uh, issues uh, for some of these districts down the road if, if people have uh, concerns about getting into the, the teaching profession and things like that. Uh, one thing that's interesting to point out about the, the politics around all of this, this is really a national effort. DeSantis has injected himself into it 
in a big way. And he's kind of become the face of it nationally by, you know, his efforts in Florida and how much attention things like the so-called don't say gay bill and his stop woke bill um, have have received. But this is something that's going on all over the country. And it seems to be a, a coordinated playbook by Republicans to uh, they they feel like they have the advantage on education issues. We saw it in the Virginia governor's race last year where Glenn Youngkin really heavily focused on critical race theory and, um, you know, some of the COVID issues surrounding schools and, and one in a state that is uh, increasingly seen as a blue state. So um, it's no surprise that Republicans are really pushing this issue hard. It seems to be something where, especially because of some of the issues around COVID and schools being closed and mask requirements and things like that, there is some uh, energy, uh, you know, uh, in terms of opposing some of the direction that the schools have gone on. So um, uh, DeSantis just has really amped it up to a whole nother level in Florida by getting involved. Uh, and it does seem to be working. Yeah. I mean, the, the GOP has, has uh, had success with it and they're riding it hard. Well, we'll move on to uh, some numbers here. Antonio, you want to tell us about yours? Yeah, I had 304,674. As in the number of votes that a 2020 constitutional amendment fell short by, that amendment on the ballot two years ago would have allowed all registered voters to vote in primaries for state legislature, governor, cabinet, regardless of their political affiliation. The way it would have worked is you would have gotten a ballot and it would have had all the candidates up there. And regardless of whether you're a Democrat or NPA or Reform Party, you could have voted for those candidates, Republicans and Democrats. And then the top vote getters in each race would then have gone to the general election. But in Florida, a constitutional amendment needs 60 percent of votes to pass. And this amendment just got got only 57 percent of the 10.2 million votes cast. So it fell short by three percent or three hundred and four thousand six hundred seventy four votes. And I raise this because we just held another primary in which more than a third of Florida voters could not participate. Look, I get it. If you want to vote for one of the candidates, you need to join the party. That's always been a fair rationale. But just think how different the primary would have been if it had been an open primary. You know, hard right and hard left candidates, far right and progressive candidates that are outside the mainstream would have had a very difficult time because they wouldn't appeal to the broader electorate. You hear a lot about Florida being a red state. Well, actually, it's the government that is red. The electorate is far more purple. As of this primary, Florida listed 5.1 million Republicans, 4.9 million Democrats, and 3.9 million no-party voters. Yes, Republicans outnumber each category, but they only account for 36% of the electorate. We often say that 2020 was a transformational election, and it was in many ways, but in terms of primaries and voting, 2020 was status quo reaffirming. Yeah, and it can be hard to, um, you know, to draw conclusions from numbers in some of these elections when it is such a small slice of the electorate that's actually voting. John, uh, you want to tell us about your number? Yeah, Zach, I had 30, and that's 30 percent. That was the the turnout level of Democratic voters for the Democratic governor's race primary between uh, uh, Nikki Freed and Charlie Crist. Uh, you know, uh, not 30%, not exactly stunning. It's fewer than one in three Democrats taking time to vote. 
But, you know, 30 percent of Democrats was better than the overall statewide turnout number of 26 percent who went to the polls. Um, as we mentioned before on this show, the August primary is always a tough sell with voters uh, who are more focused on the end of vacation season, uh, back to school, upcoming college football or, uh, you know, anything other than Florida politics. But but it, it still may be somewhat sobering. 30 percent, you know, if, if you're Charlie Crist, you're going to need to really fire up and win every state Democrat and more if he hopes to take down Ron DeSantis in November. Um, you, you know, within those statewide turnout numbers, uh, there were also some curiosities when it comes to county by county turnout. The, the, the county that had the best performance this year. Jefferson County, which uh, neighbors the state capital county of Leon. Uh, Jefferson is a small county where black voters make up just under a third of the electorate. But Jefferson had 45 percent turnout. That's that's better than the 44 percent turnout in uh, Sumter County, home of the villages, which uh, led the state in the uh, 2020 presidential race turnout and often is the uh, the state leader. You know, I, I, th I think villagers tend to go straight from voting to cocktail hour and vice versa. But uh, but but this year, you know, little old Jefferson topped them. Um, the worst performing county. Well, that, that, that was Osceola County in the shadow of Disney World, where just under 18 percent of voters cast a ballot. So, um, you know, we'll see what uh, the general election is certainly going to be a better turnout than it always is. But, um, you know, that the, that that's where uh, you're, you're, both sides are going to be firing up their uh, their people as much as they can. Uh, Republicans this time in the August primary didn't have some celebrity uh, uh, candidates on the ballot. Of course, you know, DeSantis had no primary opposition. Neither did uh, two two of the, uh, the the cabinet officers. So it really, the, the, the school board races may have been the thing that drove Republicans to the polls this, uh, this August. Yeah, and, and turnout is always important. You, you have to think that with DeSantis's sort of rising uh, celebrity within the GOP, that Republicans are going to be pretty fired up this year. I mean, that's a kind of a, a marquee name for them on the ballot, and and I think uh, you're going to see pretty decent Republican turnout, and uh, Democrats are, are going to struggle to to match that. And when you have seventy percent of them sitting home. In the primary, it shows that Democrats are, are going to have some work to do to to get their party to turn out in November. Well, my number is 50, as in 50 percent of Florida voters in a new poll disapprove of how Governor Ron DeSantis has handled Florida's affordability issues. Charlie Crist easily won his primary against Nikki Free, but he now faces a much tougher opponent in DeSantis, who has raised a ton of money and has a fervent following. But one weak spot for DeSantis could be this cost of living concern. Housing costs are way up in Florida. Utility rates are climbing. And this University of North Florida USA Today Network Florida uh, poll um, that actually our news organization did in conjunction with the University of North Florida, that poll found that independent voters are especially uh, concerned about cost of living issues with 56% saying they disapprove of how DeSantis has handled them. And even Republicans who approve of DeSantis overall are pretty fired up about him. They give him lower marks uh, on how he's uh, handled that affordability issue, and their support for him on that issue is is pretty soft, uh, according to um, the pollster that I talked to. So DeSantis is going to be tough to beat. 
Chris recognizes that the path to victory goes through these affordability concerns. In his victory speech uh, Tuesday, Chris highlighted his efforts to lower property insurance costs and utility rates when he was governor. Whether he can make that contrast with DeSantis stick remains to be seen. That wraps up another episode of Inside Florida Politics. I want to thank our audio production guru, Thomas Cordy, and thanks to all of you for listening. We're out of here.